Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. This is wonderful. And we've got the need for speed. And what does that mean? Trucker speed. We're so tired, I guess. Do you want to start over? No. So Need <laughs> okay. for Speed was something that they said in Days of Thunder. Did you see that one, Tom Cruise? I did not. Rubbing is racing. You ever heard anybody say that to you before? No. What it means is that um, sometimes drivers rub their cars up against each other, and it's like a little kiss. In the Cars universe, that's how cars kiss. Have you seen the Cars movies? I have, yes. Okay, so we do have... That's one thing we've got. <laughs> But anyway, in that movie, they were just all wild for trucker speed. But this is a podcast about things that we're very much into. Which um, is not trucker speed. So I was confused no, it why is you days, brought days that. of thunder, though. We are both very tired. Yeah, our baby just didn't want to just do the damn thing last night. Um, and the damn thing is sleep. And he yeah. he did damn he damned it all up. Um, he he did a real piss job of sleep last night, and uh, I think we're both sort of suffering, but. Our suffering isn't going to stop us from doing this podcast because, folks, we've got sponsors <laughs> and <laughs> responsibilities and you at home. I know you're probably tired, too, what with the world being like it is, and we're the only things that are getting you through your work week. This is kind of a bummer Should we start, start over? <laughs> no. We're going to power right through it because I'm so tired. This is three minutes and 50 seconds of good footage. And by footage, I mean recording. <laughs> Um, do you have any small wonders this week, Griffin? That I'm alive still, Rachel. Every day that I wake up and I'm still doing the damn thing, and by th- this time I mean living, I just am so grateful for it. Um, we went and saw Mission Impossible Fallout, and like... That was really fun. Fuck yeah. That's all I... Like, the whole time I wanted to stand up and just yell, yell like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, 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 Tom, yeah, Tom. <laughs> Tom's just his movies get me so crazy, and um, they would have. Yeah, you me already out. mentioned Days of Thunder. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm just crazy yeah. for this dude's body of work. But um, Vanilla Sky, like badass dude. So that was fun. And, but the mostly, Austin Powers movie. Um, is he's he in? is he in that? Remember, he's like in makeup. Is that the movie? Are you thinking of Tropic Thunder? Yeah, that's all right though. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, mostly being alive, though. Do you have any small wonders? I do, actually. Oh, okay. On my way to work every morning, I drive by a high school, and every morning there's a marching band out practicing, and it really charms me. That's so good. It reminds me of my days back in the in the band. I like that. They're all out on like this parking lot, and they're all in their like, t-shirts and shorts with their instruments, just walking around together. Did you get much guff because you were a flautist in a marching band from like some of the tuba or trombone players or the ones who have to carry like four fucking drums? People talk about that, uh, you know, but I will say that you have to hold your right arm up the whole time. So, like, if you're sure. holding a heavier instrument, for example, usually you keep your hands close to your chest. Huh. But with a flute, you've got the elbow out and the arm like this. Like yeah. all day long, like in the L shape. And that'll wear you out. And you put a lot of, like, stank on it. Like, when you got out there, you did a lot of sort of, like, torso twists and, like, little jazz mm-hmm. wiggles. Sometimes I'd wear, like, weights on my arm just to really get the workout in, you know? Yeah, like Goku. And then you would take the weights off and you would play the flute so hard that, you know, everybody mm-hmm. on the other uh, marching band team would explode. And then also like Goku, mm. I uh, would um, breathe 
really deeply. Yeah, Goku's armature was really fantastic. <laughs> and he was good at like that cyclical breathing. Is that what it's uh-huh. called? So, um, I don't know who goes first. Should have fucking checked it. I believe it's you this week. I mean, somebody made a website just for this purpose, and it seems wrong to not do it. But I think that this week, the person who goes first is me. <laughs> um, is that correct? Yes. I don't want to doubt the website. Yes. the fir- You went first last week with the Amoeba music video series. That was so good. I watched a couple more of those. Thank you. Good- I thought it was good, too. Uh, okay. So, my first thing is uh well i'm gonna tell you all about it it's a it is a videoed game and i talk about those on the show sometimes and i try to i try to talk about ones that are kind of accessible like games that uh not only you have played but like games that are easy to play with our friends because like i uh my two like favorite things are like games that I play by myself that I can get into for hours and hours and hours or the complete polar opposite, just like fun games I can play with my friends. And for me, I think there's like a sliding scale with those types of games, like approachable games with stuff like Jackbox games, which we talked about before being kind of on the like far low end where it's just sort of a casual party game. There's no like mechanics or like skill ceiling to speak of whatsoever. It's just like a fun game. Um, I'm so anxious for you to say what this game is. My personal favorite types <laughs> of like casual fun party games though are the ones that are like right above that where they have some meat on their bones some like mechanics to to tangle with and some like skills that you can build up over time um while still being very approachable so like smash brothers i think is in there towerfall i think is in there's a lot of games in that category but in my book the gold standard is mario kart okay maddie mario kart he doesn't say, he says his own name sort of like Mario, but I don't think he says Card, does he? <laughs> Card. You would know better than me. I would. <laughs> um, so Mario Kart is something that we've played together. Do uh, you know why some parts of the country say Mario? Do, are you talking about specifically Russ Frushdick's apartment where he lives? <laughs> because he's the only one I know who says it like that. And I don't know why. He's broken uh, deep down inside. I thought there were some Canadians that say Mario. Maybe. I do remember seeing an episode of uh, Figure It Out where um, one of the like OG cast members of all of that said, oh, Super Mario. And I was like, that's can't possibly. <laughs> that was a really specific memory to bring up on our podcast. <laughs> but anyway, um, so there's been a ton of Mario Kart games, right? The most recent one is uh, Mario Kart 8, which came out on Wii U and then came out on Switch, which is fantastic because it's a fun game to play like portably, but like also that, I like that one a lot. That one has like a it's very easy to play multiplayer games on the switch. Yeah. You have a lot of different configurations. And so we've, we've played that one a, a bunch. My loyalty lies with Mario Kart 64, uh, which was the first four player Mario Kart, which man still holds up to this day. And I think people who are like deep into Mario Kart have their own personal faves. Although I would, I think probably Mario Kart 64 is like the best one, right? It's certainly the one we've played the most. I like, I like the newer one better, but it's just because I'm better at it. That is that is true. But in any of its forms, Mario Kart really encapsulates that like approachable with a skill ceiling design like really, really well. Like it's not hard to learn how to drive a cart. Uh, just the basics, go, stop, turn. And even that feels really good. Even when you're not like especially good at it, it is a it feels good to drive. And if you're up against somebody who's like much better at you than driving, somebody who knows how to do like the drifts and get those blue sparks and get all the boosts and stuff, um, you still have that chance that you'll get like the item that you need to 
goof them up and then maybe I know about the blue sparks yeah when you drift really good for a long time you get the blue sparks and then uh, you get the red sparks and then you can get the blue sparks if you drift for a long time and then you get a little boost you get like a little extra a little extra something something that's what I'm saying there's like a lot of ways to get really good at the driving but even if you're not doing great at the driving and the person who's better than you passes you you can get a good item and then mess them up that way and so there's like this element of chaos that sort of levels the playing field um, that I really enjoy. And every time you do play the game, um, it's one of those games where I honestly feel like you get better at it. Uh, whether it's like learning how to find a good line through a turn or learning some of those like advanced techniques, like learning how to time out the hit in the gas at the very start of the race so you can get that little boost right at the beginning. Every time you play, it, maybe you find out like which racer you like the best, which character you like the best, which works best for you. Every time you play, you get a little bit better at it. And I think that's a really sort of important thing to transition people into like, oh, I can play like, I can play tougher games. I can play games that are sort of more skilled, skill based. Hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. People always like playing Peach, and I don't know why. Uh, she has just really high max speed. Oh, okay. Um, and I think Bowser's up there too. She also has really good acceleration, so she can get you up to max speed. I'm probably messing this up. I almost always play as Peach, especially on 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like she can get very, very fast, very, very quickly. Huh. Um, yeah. I, and I, I think there's something really cool. Uh, like, uh, growing up with like all my theater friends, which was like my, main and that is a generous way of saying only group of friends growing up (laughs) not all of them were into games but if they came over and we played some mario kart 64 for a while there is no barrier to entry you were just playing mario kart 64 now and then you've played mario kart for a while you think like oh well let's try goldeneye let's try you know let's try something else that's that is also sort of a skill-based video game because those can be fun too even when you're bad at them there's something scary i think about like especially competitive skill-based games like shooters like goldeneye or at least it was sort of you know back in the day and there really doesn't have to be anything scary about it because it can be fun to play those games even when you're terrible at them. And I feel like a game like Mario Kart is a good, good bridge into I will that. say one, one thing that I appreciate about playing video games with you is that you are not much of a trash talker, at mm-hmm. least when you play with me. So if I'm playing a game uh, with you where you have a lot of skill and I don't have any, yeah. you never make me feel like... No, I wouldn't. You know. Well, that's that would be a huge dick move. I feel like video gamers are like notorious for that, though. <laughs> Not any that like I play games, but maybe like the video gamers. Like, you call that a jump? When they're on jerk? like fucking like CSI, and there's a case where a video gamer like strangled somebody with their Xbox cord, like, and they're playing a game, and the game sounds on the TV that you don't actually see the game, but it's like from behind the TV, and it's like bleep bloop, and it's like games haven't sounded like that for 35 years. They will sometimes act like that, and also probably most most video gamers but i don't uh i don't really mess with them i will say i do talk smack in one mario kart sort of related okay. uh, occasion and that is when we're playing cario mart which is the best like drinking like game we talked about that on the show they probably before. have but it, it, the rules are simple you can't finish the race until you've finished your beer and that's all there is to it and um one time i played it at uh, travis's bachelor party like six or seven times I in a row that. you remember that at travis's bachelor party there, there was a time when we were like hanging out all together in oh, that yeah, space. Oh yeah, that's right. And then it, oh. And then they, we got things, kicked out. Things got bad. Did you know the original Super Mario Kart for Super Nintendo uh, wasn't originally a Mario game? 
Isn't that fun? Isn't that a fun fact? Well, well, who was in it? Just like some guy wearing suspenders who was like driving around <laughs> in a cart. Well, the, the, it was, I, I read this and I didn't even think about it. The uh, dev team, Shigeru Miyamoto, I think, was a producer on it. Uh, he was like the guy who made Mario and Zelda and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to make a game where two uh, players could control two different characters at the same time. Which I was thinking oh. about it, like, had that not happened up to that point? Like, certainly. It's, but, like, I would be hard. I don't think there was anything like that on, I don't know. It, regardless, like, it's hard to to pull off. And so, like, that was their goal. And so they made this, like, kart racing game. And just for shits and giggles, they put Mario in one of the carts one time. And they're like, oh, that looks really good. It's before a Mario it was there. Before it was Greg Kart. Yeah, it was Greg. And he was a driving <laughs> man. Um, anyway, I love Mario Kart. There's, like, no time where I wouldn't be down to play some Mario Kart. It's like potato chips. Like... I would Mm -hmm. always, pretty much always eat some potato chips, and I would always, always, pretty much always play some Mario Kart while eating chips. What's your first thing? All right. You're not going to believe that we haven't covered this yet. Okay. I was so delighted when I realized we hadn't, especially today. Okay. My wonderful thing is coffee. Oh, shit. Yes. Uh Oh, this sweet bean. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, this hot bean gives me so much. Uh, you have brought coffee creamer, specifically sugar-free hazelnut, but we okay. have not talked about coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is a grave oversight on our part. There's no way I got a full segment out of hazelnut coffee creamer, is there? It's, it's on It's on, on the books. Holy shit. Okay. It might be a small wonder. Is it? Uh, I don't even, I don't even know if I should have this conversation, but is it? I have quit things in my life before yes. because I've said like, I don't like that I am dependent on this yes. and like smoking, especially is like that was, that was categorically not good for me. Coffee is like, I won't quit that until I die, until I die. I don't think a lot of people I have known use that logic to quit coffee for a while. And I don't understand it personally, <sighs> but I also have never been a, a huge, um, you know, like five, six cup a day person. Right. Like I, I am like one cup tops. I have certainly cut back on, on my consumption yeah. as of late, but like I can't imagine living without it. And I don't think it's doing anything bad for me. And I'm totally not interested in having that conversation uh, with, with anybody under the power yeah. of my voice. But um, I, I also recognize I am completely dependent on it. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. It's that good bean. <laughs> so I wanted to tell you some good things about coffee. Okay. Uh, so there's there's always research coming out, and I think it's largely because researchers are highly caffeinated. Sure. I feel like every year there's some new study out on coffee. Yeah, I mean, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee, you know? Yeah, Mondays, you know? Yeah, hack. Uh so there is uh, a bunch of different studies, a lot of uh, which say a bunch of really great things. And so let me just summarize some of them. Um, there's a recent study that coffee drinkers live longer. Uh, and apparently that's a conclusion that held up even for heavy coffee consumption. So people that were having eight or more cups a day. Good Lord. Regardless of whether the coffee was caffeinated or not. Huh. Isn't that interesting? There's just something about that good brown bean then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, longevity was linked to coffee consumption regardless of what type of caffeine metabolism genes you carry. I don't know what that means, but it sounds you know, like some science. people like react differently sure. to coffee, like they're more sensitive to it. Yeah. So that was, uh, I was reading about that in like a Harvard medical school, uh, document from July 25th document article, uh, document works before I drank coffee when I was like in high school or middle school. 
Uh, I didn't drink it, but I, I would for, I don't even remember how they got into our house. I think Justin like brought them home from Blockbuster or something like that. Tasters Choice? They were, um, no, they were like, um, international chocolate covered espresso beans. (laughs) And I would eat those and I would get so much just sort of jumping energy (laughs) to help me jump all through the night to not sleep, but jump all through the night, you know? Uh, and I look back on that now, like that's wild that I was doing that. I was eating. Well, uh, that was everybody's like pathway though. I remember when I was a kid going to Gloria jeans, coffee beans. Are you mm, familiar? No, it was like in our shopping mall and it was like a Starbucks and that you could get sweetened caffeinated beverages. Yeah, I never went I never, chocolate covered espresso beans. I never went to your shopping mall. Well, but I bet Gloria Jeans was more than just Gloria Jeans coffee beans? Yeah. I love the name of the store and there's no denying that. <laughs> uh so coffee has uh, been proved to lower the risk of liver cancer, liver failure due to cirrhosis, dementia, type two diabetes, and gout. Oh. Did you include any things that are probably kind of bad about no, coffee? I decided to leave those out. <laughs> it's probably the hurts the tummy, corrodes that a little bit. But no, and listen, I'm not going to. Our show isn't called It's Probably Bad. It's called Wonderful. Oh, I can't. I don't give a shit if it's good or bad. I need it a lot. <laughs> um, is any of the positive facts that you have listed like. When you don't sleep well, or even sometimes when you do get enough sleep, you it still makes you feel super good when the day is just getting started. Well, I was going to give anecdotal evidence Okay, that. Uh, my research was more around actual... Uh, peer-reviewed yeah, shit. Yeah. So this is from Scientific American, June 2018. Uh, apparently, so there was always concerns about coffee consumption and, and the impact on your heart. Mm-hmm. But they did a study in mice, which was the equivalent to four to five cups of coffee for a human. And um, there was no damage to the heart cells. In fact, it apparently enhanced the function of heart cells, um, which is exciting for people that have heart conditions. Potentially coffee is no longer something they have to stay away from. Sure. Uh, and then this Time Health study in 2017, it's actually not a Time study, uh, but it was published in Time. Uh People that drank coffee were less likely to die early, uh, less likely to die of heart disease, and less likely to develop cancer. The study did not confirm, though, that people who do not currently drink coffee should start adding a cup or two in order to lower the risk. Yeah. Uh, also, current coffee drinkers shouldn't necessarily start drinking more coffee to enhance yeah. the benefits. I thought that was worth bringing up. Like, coffee's not so great that if you don't drink it, you should start. Yeah. <laughs> Can you think of the best cup of coffee you ever had? And I'm not even maybe talking about, um, not even talking about like the flavor and the good richness of the of the brew, but of just the like bean. the most transformative, necessary cup of coffee you Ooh, ever had. Man, I don't know. I mean, my temptation, as snooty as it sounds, is when I went to Italy and we get little like cups of espresso in the morning. Mm. It was so good. For me, it was at a diner in Chicago at about one thirty a.m., and I was so drunk sick, like to my tummy hurt really bad, about to throw up. Mm-hmm. And I went in this diner car and complained to the to the guy working the counter, like my tummy hurts really, really bad, which I recognize now is kind of a risky gambit because you don't want to be like, "There's, I'm hello." I'm one of your patrons, and I'm giving you like a 50-50 yards sort of <laughs> forecast. 
and he gave me a fried egg, some uh, sourdough toast, and he gave me a cup of coffee. And I was like, dude, it's one thirty. He's like, no, drink it up. I drank it up instantly, instantly, like a potion from an alchemist. <laughs> drink it instantly. Okay, totally great. I always thought the black coffee, to, or just not black, but the coffee to sober you up was just to like increase your alertness, not to make you feel better. I, it, this wasn't even like a sober me up. I had to drive because I'm not that dumb. I, you know, was taking public transit at the time, but like it just made my tummy feel better. And it made me feel like I didn't have the spins or anything like that. It was, it was a, it was a lifesaver. I like, so here's, here's the, the thing I am always chasing, which is like, you know, where you have like maybe two cups of coffee and you feel like you're the smartest you've ever been. Oh, the limitless. So you get the limitless drug. <laughs> yeah, for exactly. Sure. I, there's a, there's a certain ratio of food in your stomach to caffeine, where if you just get the right amount of coffee, you feel like you can do everything faster and everything that co- is coming out of your mouth is the smartest thing you've ever said. Sure. I love that feeling, man. Flip side of that though, is you eat a bunch of pancakes and then you, <laughs> no, listen, you eat a bunch of pancakes and then you drink a bunch of coffee and then the pancakes are like, time for bed. And the coffee's like, nope. And you get home and you lay down for the nap, but the coffee's like, actually, let's think about every dumb thing you've done this week instead of the sleep. Sorry, pancakes. I hate that. That is also an experience you can have on coffee, I guess. Yeah, but... Uh, but, I, but I'm speaking... Of the good stuff, yeah. Of the good stuff. You gotta be careful with it. That's all I'm saying. You no, gotta practice true. safe coffee drinking. That's true. I wouldn't recommend it to just anybody. So... We're going to get some emails about this one. I feel like coffee is just good. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> there, There's a lot of research that it is it can be dangerous for certain people with certain conditions. So I'm not saying that everybody should go out and drink a bunch of coffee. But I like it. It's it the best part happy. of waking up. Yeah. And I was not joking earlier. If you ever see me and I haven't had my coffee yet, don't even fucking bother. Do not even approach it. The idea of it. Me. You know, mm-hmm. some some mornings I won't have time to make coffee. Oh and, yeah, and usually the first thing Griffin says when he gets up is is there coffee? And sometimes I have to say no, and it's like he won't. I yeah, I yell and yell. My, he won't even get out of bed. My hot brown beans, my hot brown beans. Mm-hmm. Um, not at you, but more at like mm-hmm. God um, mm-hmm. for cursing me with not having the hot brown beans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I steal you away? Yes. This would be a really good week for us to have like a coffee-based sponsor, but I don't think we're going to get there. Do you want to do the song? <laughs> you all listening missed Griffin actually did the hand gestures as if he were playing a I did it guitar. very weakly, though. It could also look like I was just sort of, you know, fid- fiddling around down there. <laughs> just fiddle, fiddle farting around. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. 
with I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain do you want to read these jumbotrons you can't you got to uncross for that unfortunately okay uh this next message is for michelle it is from Riel. Hey, Shelly. I know you're into listening to this show while you cook and thought it would be the perfect platform to tell you that you're such a great friend. It's been great reconnecting and bonding with you over all that good, good McElroy content. You still need to get on Taz, Lazy Bones. I love you and you're wonderful. That is so sweet. A good message. Happy Valentine's Happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Shit. Is that really when they wanted it for? Yes. Yipes. Well, but, you know, every day every can be. Every day can be val- Valentine's Day. I like mm-hmm. also people cooking while they listen because it makes me think that my idea for a cooking podcast is getting, but like a cooking show, but you don't see it or smell it and you can't tell if it looks good. That would good. throw me off though because what if you were saying on the cooking show a cup of flour and then somebody was cooking and they only needed half a cup and they got oh, distracted shit. and they accidentally put well, twice as much. Mine would be more broad. It wouldn't be any specific measurements. It'd just be like... You guys like cooking? Heat that... No, it'd be like heat the <laughs> spaghetti. And I'm not going to tell you to what degree or how much spaghetti or why oh, you're doing so it. So like a Mary Berry Paul Hollywood challenge. Heat the spaghetti. Get the water. Here comes the sauce. It would be one of the steps. Here comes the sauce. <laughs> Meatballs, you tell me. So I'm going to get that one off the ground. We're okay. seeking funding right now. Okay. We're doing sort of a, a startup. What's, uh, what's it called? What's it it's called, called uh, Here Comes the Sauce. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Like it. Is so it always gotta... about pasta? Um, no. But always about sauce? It's involved, yes. Okay. Uh, this next message is for Beck. It is from Campbell. And Griffin, they want you to read this. Okay. Hey, Beck, my dearest of friends, here's a little something to stave off the sauce, TM. Oh, 
That's weird. weird. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that I love, love, love you, and I'm rooting for you in everything you do. You're going to figure it out, and you're going to be okay. I just know it. And did I mention I love you? Good luck topping this one. Smorch. So, um, Smorch was the alien from the Flintstones. Did you remember him? I can't tell if you're joking or not. Yeah, he was the little alien. He went around and granted, I guess, sort of um, Flintstone wishes, but his yeah. name was definitely Smorch. But um, Beck, get it, do it. Uh, here doesn't come the sauce, I guess, but if, but you can still stir it on up, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know what I mean. No, that's good. It's not anything. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we're Everything's, Everything's Coming, Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. We are a Simpsons podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, and we've got some exciting news. Ooh, tell Ooh. me. We are going to be doing some live podcast shows in some of our favorite cities. We're so excited, and we want to let you guys know out there in the Max Fun universe that we are coming to you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. On Saturday, September 15th, we will be at the North Door in Austin, Texas. Yeehaw. On Saturday, December 1st, we will be at the Alamo Dragon. House, Sloan's Lake in Denver, Colorado. There's no basement in the Alamo. Mm, we'll find out. Friday, <laughs> December 7th, we are going to be at the Vera Project in Seattle, Washington. Oh, God. Uh, Nirvana. Yes. Okay. And Saturday, December 8th, we'll be at Mississippi Studios in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Matt Groening lives there. Yeah. Or once lived there. He he still lives there in our hearts. So um, make sure that you mark your calendars for those dates, and we will be posting the ticketing links on our Twitter. That is at SimpsonsPod, and we will see Smell you later. Do you want to know my second thing? Yes, please. It's an album of music prepared by a musical artist. Ooh. Yeah, so I, I try to, I feel like I try to bring like stuff that maybe do, not everybody knows about when I talk about stuff on this show. Um, but that's not going to be this one because I want to talk about the album Discovery by Daft Punk which is a seminal electronic music album from the 2000 year. I think 2000 or 2001. Um, this album kicks so much fucking ass, and uh, it almost feels like silly to talk about it on this show, because I feel like everybody knows about this album, and it's not really a secret about how much, it, how much ass it kicks. Um, but I listen to it a lot. Today and in, in this past week or so, it showed up in like my Spotify like college playlist, and uh, it's a good album. It's so good, and it sent Daft Punk's career kind of like into the stratosphere and kind of changed electronic and, and pop music for for good. So I wanted to talk about it on the show. You're familiar with Discovery by Daft Punk, right? I, I I don't know that I've ever listened to it all the way through, but I have heard songs off of it. Pretty much all of the songs that people know by Daft Punk, sure. not including like Get Lucky, which was on their their most their most recent release, but like the classics like uh Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Yes, I know that one. Which uh Kanye sampled in his yes. song Stronger. Uh Digital Love is on that one. One more time is on that oh, one. Yeah. Uh Crescendals. There's there is a there's a ton of I mean, all of their all of their biggest hits. I feel like we're uh, all on this album. Is their second album? This was actually the album that sort of started their whole robot aesthetic. 
Um, if you ever saw that one commercial for The Gap where Juliette Lewis is just kind of grooving in some blue jeans, they wrote the song She's Dancing To. That's Digital Love. And they are also the two robots in, in that commercial. They are a, uh, a duo of uh, French electronic artists. Um, one of them is named uh, Thomas Van Galter. And this is, uh, he did a Rolling Stone interview where he kind of talked about the, the robot thing. And he said, uh, we're interested in the line between fiction and reality, creating these fictional personas that exist in real life. Um, and he sort of quoted like Kraftwerk and Ziggy Stardust and Kiss uh, as sort of inspirations for this aesthetic and went on to say people thought that the helmets were marketing or something. But for us, it was just sci-fi glam. That whole aesthetic is like my shit. And I just really love what a like enormous creative endeavor this album was um it it did great in europe it like made it to number two in the uk and in france it only made it to like 23 in america that's like where it topped which is wild to me because i feel like everybody knows this album well i feel like electronic music is is bigger um in europe than it is here um, yeah, and I, I mean, they are also a French, a French duo, so there's yeah. the home team advantage, but still, it just feels like, man, you could not go to a dance club That's at true. any point in the entire aughts, the entire decade, without, like, hearing one of their songs. Uh, do you know about the movie that was made to this album? They uh, teamed up with a Japanese, like, anime and manga uh, creator who, like, specialized in making these, like, big space opera series, and he was, he was beloved. His name was uh, Leiji Mats- Matsumoto. Um, and they teamed up with him to make this feature length movie with no dialogue, uh, just set to the music of the album called Interstellar 5555. Uh, and it was just like a dope sort of space anime where the plot was set to the songs from Discovery. I have. This is actually how I found out about uh, Daft Punk is I saw this uh, on Adult Swim. That was how I was first exposed to it. And I just thought it was the coolest fucking thing I had ever seen and and heard uh, because I had never really heard a a band like like Daft Punk before. And this like this movie collaboration was kind of born out of their childhood love of anime. And that's that idea of like, things that they love from the 70s and 80s that was like their childhood this is kind of like a concept album of like a tribute to that stuff uh and that's why you get like uh, it some sometimes like kind of corny uh sort of things like things that sound like old hair metal guitar solos and like arena rock power chords it's why you get like a lot of like disco samples is because like they're trying to sort of recapture that that one very, very specific era, which is personal to them because it was their childhood, but trying to like turn it into something else. So like to give you an idea of that, I'm only going to play one song. I know I usually do more than that whenever we like talk about a whole album, but I, again, I feel like everybody knows these songs. Um, but I want to play my favorite song from the album, uh, just to sort of show what I, I was talking about, about this sort of tribute to this era. This is digital love. This song is like, it's fantastic, and it has this great build to it. Um, it has all of these like great little sections that I feel like whenever I would hear it at like a dance party or something like that would be like little checkpoints. Like, oh, here comes the part where it kind of drops off, and it's like, 
why don't you play the game? <laughs> uh, here comes that dope guitar solo. Um, uh, all of the songs on this album actually have really interesting structures. That was sort of uh, another sort of concept for it. Their first album, uh, Homework, was just like, here's some cool electronic music. This one is like, let's see what we can do with the form of these songs. For instance, in this song, that one sample plays the entire fucking time. And it's only like a four measure sample and they play it a billion times in this five minute song, but it never, you never really get tired of it. Um, and the, the lyrics are just like super basic, you know, talking about love, but they work with the vibe of the song so well that sample. I also want to play, uh, it is a loop that, uh, comes from a 1979 song from George Duke, who is this very prolific, like funk keyboardist. Uh, the song that they sampled is called, I love you more. And it's just from this, super specific small part of this song before that original song uh i love you more turns into something way different from digital love so here's the first 15 seconds of george duke's i love you more just love that like they were like let's find a dope hook for our yeah. song here it is it's a a, a kind of a, i guess obscure uh george duke track but really it's just a measure or two from the first 10 seconds of it before the song completely transforms and like george duke made this fucking incredible hook that people i probably didn't Mm-hmm. didn't venerate until it became the entire backbone of this very, very That's famous so song precise. from Daft Punk. Like thinking about the process that they must have gone through to find that and make yeah. that song is crazy. You think of like Girl Talk, and this is you know a very clumsy comparison, but you listen to a Girl Talk song and you're like, oh, I know where that came from, I know where that came from, uh-huh. I know where that came from, I know where... Daft Punk was like, here's... Yeah. Here's uh, eight seconds to 11 seconds of this one George Duke song from 1979. And it's going to be the entire fucking yeah. track. It's just wild to me. Um, I love this album so much. If you've never heard it before, like, go listen to it. You've probably heard most of the songs off of it in, in, in some way or another. And if you have heard it before, it, it super holds up. It's still my favorite album of theirs and, like, probably my favorite, like, electronic music album ever. What's your second thing, though? My second thing is uh, it's kind of it's kind of deconstructionist. Okay. So here's the thing. Getting heady. Normally, I'd take you to the poetry corner. Oh, are we going? Can I sing it today? Oh no. I'm gonna take you to where the poetry corner is made. <laughs> Welcome to the stool factory. Over here is where we keep the cushions. Over here is where we keep the stool legs. That's all that goes into the stool. Poetry. It's the poetry corner corner. <laughs> uh, what do you, can you explain what you mean? Uh, so I realize that poetry is kind of an unfamiliar medium to a lot of people. And I don't know if, if, um, our listener really realizes, uh, the process that goes into writing a poem. Our one listener, uh, to- and Toby. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Toby, so much. Toby, how about you tell a one friend? 
No, it wouldn't be. I want it to be because we make so many Toby based jokes, and you know, Toby's friends aren't going to get those. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess I was thinking a lot about uh podcasts like Song Exploder, sure, um, or just or documentaries or kind of uh you know, the making of featurettes where you, you talk to an artist about how they put something together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like people are kind of familiar with that context now in a lot of areas, but not necessarily with poetry. And it's very similar to that. Yeah. Uh, Something that I got really interested in. I think when most people start writing poetry, they start from a very personal place of like, you know, I feel really sad about this person that didn't like me back Mm. or um, I feel lonely and this is the thing i'm writing about that mm-hmm. uh but or i saw in my case like i saw a pretty tree and now i'm going to try to write some sort of yeah. floral appalachian poetry about uh-huh. it and not do good <laughs> uh but i think the more time i spent with poetry the more i got kind of into like the precision of it okay uh so i thought i would share something i've written well before. yes and like then, a recent one or like from, from no, school? No, this is an old one. Okay. This is actually after school. Oh, man. Uh, not like an after school yeah. poem. But like the, one trucks, the trucker speed. Put it down, <laughs> down, down to the ground where the trucker speed lives. No thanks, Toby. <laughs> I really liked that one. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> is it, can I ask if your poem involves any sort of sexual ice cream imagery at no. all? Because I, I need to know if it I need does to not. prepare my my body. No, uh, this is one I wrote after I finished my uh, graduate degree. And I wrote it in the summertime. So I thought it would be appropriate for this time of year, which is also the summer. You're sure there's no ice cream imagery? No ice cream. Okay. Anyway, I wrote this in May 2008. Okay. And so now I'm embarrassed to read it. No, why? Because you wanted ice cream so bad. No, no I hate cream. ice cream. I want, I want the real shit. <laughs> My damp face follows the hollow vein of the wing. Summer stokes the insect. I speak the hum of her motion. In tempered flight and fold, the fly cuts an upward bend, stretches her lenses to land, senses in her legs to land again. To settle on your ear, itself all bend in strength, a curved pail for collecting, a sense for sound, for balance. And behind the sound, the fly finds her branch in bent channels, a strength within the most delicate skin around a middle of spun air. It's so fucking good, Rachel. Thank you. I don't get a lot of Rachel's, like, you have no. not shown me much of your poetry. And it's so good. And I get what you're saying about the precision, because, like, mm-hmm. it felt like every word of that was, like, exactly, you know, the right one, right where it needed to be. So here's so here's some, uh, some of the unpacking I did for yes. that. So, um... Did the line, I speak the hum of her motion, resonate with you in any way? Yeah. There is a Walt Whitman poem where he says, I sing the body electric. Oh, right. Yeah, I know that. But mostly from fame. (laughs) There's a musical (laughs) fame in this part of it. So that like really kind of inspired me. And it's kind of like hidden in there, that line. Okay. Um, Also, in order to do this poem, I researched how hearing works, like how ears work. Interesting. Uh, so that uh, thing about uh, in the poem, yeah, here we go. The to settle on your ear itself, all bend in strength, a curved pail for collecting, uh, a sense for sound, for balance. 
Uh, and then at the end, the uh, a strength within the most delicate skin around a middle of spun air, like like how your eardrum resonates with sound, like the vibration yeah. that carries in and how you hear. So I did research on that. And then I did research on flies, too. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of learned about how how flies move uh, and kind of their whole process for, for landing and traveling. Uh, so I, I guess I think... Um, for me, it was really kind of transformative to get to that place in my writing where it wasn't just about expressing some like very urgent emotion, but kind of doing research and exploring, you know, what it is that's interesting and how it relates to to other things. And it's a lot of kind of what we do in this podcast in a way, you know, of like, I get interested in something and research it, and then I try and kind of put put it together like a brief way of telling the story. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I really liked that about uh, I, I sort of felt that same way about the poem and that just in how much like sort of obvious work you put into the science of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also like what a stark contrast it was from some of the other poems that you've brought that are like, there's so many, I guess I never really appreciated. There's a lot of different ki- kinds of poems, huh? <laughs> sure. There's a lot of different kinds of ones of them. Uh, yeah, that's, um, that's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it wasn't like, I like uh, Michigan and here's why. It was like... No, that's true. Here's, just, you know, here's a cool poem about some about a bug. About a bug in the summer. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I really like the process of writing a poem. Um, and I think it relates a lot to composing any kind of new creative work of kind of having an idea and then doing some research to support that idea. Uh, and kind of making connections in that process and ending up with something that's much more complex than you started out with. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know, you and I have talked about that when you, when you write music for Adventure Zone or when you're putting a story together, uh, thinking about kind of a few pieces and then finding opportunities for, you know, the story to pivot or yeah. to create kind of an interesting turn. Uh, and I, I really like that about creative writing. Uh, because you kind of sit down thinking one thing and then learn something in the process and make a connection that's much more exciting than the original idea. Did you ever sort of, uh, I want to say indulge, but that's probably not the, that's, that seems a little, uh, insulting maybe in like, uh, in the, in the more sort of emotionally charged, less sort of, um, sort precise. of honest, honestly, um, it's not a strength I've ever had. Hmm. Uh, I think because what's interesting to me about writing poems is is the precision. Um, We've been hacked. Ah, shoot. <laughs> uh, more than kind of the catharsis of it. So I, I have written emotionally charged stuff, but never uh, anything that felt good to me. It was more like getting it out of my system than like, oh, this is was a satisfying exercise yeah. because uh, I... I it's not what I find interesting about writing. Sure. Your vows were like that, though. I guess it wasn't technically a poem. But... No, and I was just saying them to you. It was nice stuff I said to there you. There were lots of other people there. But like, you know, it's different. It was like, um, what was it? It was like... Um... I'm starting at the tempting top of my <laughs> ice cream cone. That's right. And then I was like, am I the ice cream cone? And then I got really sweaty because I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. <laughs> um, that was a very good poem, baby. I'm so glad that you read it on Thank our you. show. Um, 
Do you want to hear some submissions from our friends at home? Yes. Uh, Sarah sent this one in, and it's a fucking slam dunk. Okay. Uh, Sarah said, I am a flight attendant, and something I find wonderful is when you find surprise magazines on the plane. It's a treat to find new reading material, but what's even better is knowing that another flight attendant stashed that magazine for you to find later. You know they saved it from the garbage, so someone else could read it. It gives me this sense of community, even though you never see the other people who did you this solid. So you're on the plane, you're a flight attendant, you see somebody throw away, you know, a new magazine, you grab it and you hide it away for the next flight attendant to find on the plane so they have See, something to I read. I was assuming they were talking about in the back pocket of just a random seat on the plane and I always thought that meant that it had been overlooked by the crew. Huh. But this person makes it sound like anything you find on a plane was deliberately left There's there. There's a secret a secret sort of flight. And I'm talking about like a flight attendant dead drop sort of thing <laughs> where flight attendants are just leaving each other magazines that they pulled out of the garbage. I love that. I, I don't think it's pulled out of the garbage. No, but I just love the whole world of uh, like flight secrets like i'll read any any fucking thing about flight secrets no, that's true like what is it like diet coke is like the least favorite thing for them to pour because it stays like carbonated for so long and that's like annoying i don't know anyway uh chris says my wife got tired of all the trash laying around our neighborhood so she brought a, a couple of trash pokers online and now when we go for walks we pick up garbage along the way we call them trashy walks It is a wonderful feeling to know that we can help make our community nicer while getting some exercise. Trashy walk. That's such a nice idea. I'd like to do that with Henry when he's older. Yeah, you really um, teach him the value of uh, sweat on his brow. Give him a fresh nickel for every can he... (laughs) Do you remember being a kid and feeling really obsessed about litter? Uh, Or is that just me? (laughs) No, I remember hating it very much. Like feeling very strongly that if there was trash on the ground, that it needed to be picked up immediately. Sure, and if I saw somebody like throw something out the window of their car, like fucking forget about it. I still feel angry about that. Yeah, I guess I do too now that I think about it. One time I saw somebody pull up to a stoplight, open their door, literally set a cup on the ground, close the door, and then once the light changed, they drove away. That's a new one, yeah. (laughs) So deliberate and slow and terrible. Um, Emily says, I love watching movies during a thunderstorm. Thunder and light. Lightning plus Return of the Jedi is one of my favorite combinations. Ooh, that does sound nice. That does sound really good. I love being inside doing something cozy when it's raining out. How do you feel about power outage activities? Ooh, I don't like it. Me neither. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always romanticize it like, oh, I'll light candles, and then we can play chess and backgammon by candlelight. The other and day I our think, internet like, went out for five minutes and, and Griffin, I lost my fucking mind. Griffin literally ran out of the house. If I lost internet and also air conditioning, I would just, I would, I would go to a Motel 6 or something. Mm-hmm. And I would leave you guys behind. (laughs) I'm really sorry about that. I wouldn't blame you. Uh, So anyway, that is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus uh, for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. Uh, You can find a link to that in the episode description. I'm so fucking tired, baby. I I hope this episode was good, and I hope you all enjoyed it. And I I hope that... Hey, thanks, Toby. Hey, thank you, Toby. And I hope that we're more uh, sort of alert for you next time there, Tobes. Um, <laughs> hey, thanks to Max Fun for having us on the network, too. You can go to Maximum Fun and check out all the great shows on there, like Bubble. And uh, what, do, what, do you, what do you feel like plugging this week? Pop Rocket? Oh, yeah. Beef and Dairy Network? Yeah. It's a good one. They're all good ones, and it's all on MaximumFun.org. Go check them out. And Heat Rocks. Heat Rocks. Hell yeah. It's all uh, at MaximumFun.org. If you want to hear other stuff we do, it's at McElroyShows.com. Uh, got some shows coming up too. If you want to get tickets to that, it's at com slash tours. And 
Uh, and uh, if you have thought about sending stuff to our P.O. Box, please don't. Don't it do closed. it. We have closed our P.O. Box, and we are looking into getting a new P.O. Box, but we uh, it is now very, very inconvenient to, for us to go to the old P.O. Box. So, uh, yes, we apologize for the interruption in service, but we'll let you we know. We will let you know when it is back up. And thank you to everybody who sends us stuff. I feel like yeah. we are we are very uh, we are poor stewards of the P.O. Box. Um, mm. We get a lot of stuff in there, and it's 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 all very very great, and uh, and we appreciate hearing from you. And um, I guess to just like close out, mm-hmm. um, and I've been meaning to get this off my chest for actually a little while. Okay. Um, and it might be like, are you upset with all the stools we have from the poetry corner episodes? Uh, no, it's, we have a reasonable number and, you know, you can use stools for a lot of different things, uh, fun <laughs> drum set for your imagination. <laughs> um, no, it's something I've been wanting to like say for a while okay. and it may be like, it might be weird. It might actually put some people off our show. So maybe I, are you going to ask me to marry you? No, it's just. It, it, that would be a good thing. That would be like a good thing. People would be very much into that, even though it'd be weird because we are definitely still uh-huh, we are for weird. sure. But I guess what it was was uh, cowabunga, dude. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Kardashians. Michael Cohen. Hashtags. Clickbait. Memes. Oh. <laughs> Debunking. Rebunking. <laughs> Regular sized bunking. Bodie McBoatface. Do any of these words make sense to you? then maybe Trends Like These is the podcast you should be listening to. We put an episode every week on MaximumFun.org. Hosted by me, Travis McRoy. And me, Courtney Enlow. And me, Brent Black. Trends Like These on MaximumFun.org. Because with Trends Like These... Who needs any memes? Ah? Ah? (laughs) Yeah, that was great. (laughs) 